This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Alright, it's that time again. It's the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast, and this is Casey McLean. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Today's guest is Kevin Dombrowski. Uh, Kevin is a New York comedian. He is uh, he has a podcast called Just Joking. He's been all over the place in New York. We talk about it a bunch. I want to get him on again to talk a little bit more about New York comedy because the a city with like I guess real industry uh, comedy works a little bit differently. At New York comedy clubs, um, most of the shows are like they're called they're showcase shows. So the it's like four people doing fifteen minutes and a host, hour long show or uh, you know hour fifteen hour twenty show at a city at a at a like a headliner club in a different city. The host is the least experienced comic on the show, usually. And in New York, maybe not the most experienced comic hosts, but definitely not the comic that the club trusts the least, which is what happens at a, at a, a club outside of one of these major cities most of the time. I don't think that's always the case in every city. I think... <clears throat> I think the, ah, who gives a shit? No, you don't care about this. But the point is, is Kevin Dombrowski is uh, a host all over New York City, which in New York City only, basically, that is a job that you can make a living doing. New York City is probably the only city in comedy where you can be comedy exclusive. That's your only job is comedy. And not have to do the road a whole bunch. Um, so yeah, I want to talk to Kevin more about comedy at some point. But what we talked about on this episode was he is about to be a dad. Like, any day now, he could become a father. And I wanted to talk to him before it happened. Because I absolutely love New York. The last time I was in New York was March 2018 because my wife and I decided that we were going to try to have a baby and we wanted to get one last fun childless trip to New York out of the way and the whole time I was in New York that trip I just couldn't stop thinking about how much more difficult it would be for us if we had a baby and lived in New York to start with, a thing that makes it very difficult for both of us is my wife and I, our families are both from Washington State. And I've never understood the value of living close to your family more than since we've had a kid. If it weren't for our parents being available to occasionally watch our daughter, first off, I'd probably have to quit comedy. Uh, our lives would be infinitely more difficult. And our, like we'd be socially, we'd have nothing. So 
I was curious how Kevin and his his wife planned on dealing with uh, with that in New York, and he's got some pretty good plans. If this is if you're listening to this as a roadmap to having a kid in New York, Kevin's got it figured out. Uh, we talk about a couple people on this podcast. One of them is Gino Bisconti. Um, Kevin references Gino Bisconti as Gino. I, I think I uh, clarified for you guys. I knew who he was talking about, but I clarified Gino Bisconti, who is a New York comic and uh, radio host, and he's been uh, on every podcast, I think, in New York, every big podcast in New York. So that's who he's talking about. And we also talk about Dustin Hempstead briefly. Uh, he, he mentions Dustin Hempstead in reference to, and that's a Seattle comic. If you're listening to this podcast um, and you live near Seattle, Dustin lives in New York now, but that's, that's a Seattle comic who's out there in New York trying to make it happen. So uh, follow Kevin on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin Dombrowski. Follow me at the Casey McLean. Uh, I guess follow Dustin Hempstead at Dustin Hempstead. Follow uh, Gino Bisconti. I think he's actually been banned off Twitter. And I... Diamond Eugene might be his his burner handle. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with Kevin Dombrowski. And please share this podcast with a friend, uh, a loved one, a coworker, your future child, your your grown children, whoever. Thank you, and here's Kevin Dombrowski. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash Casey McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do you say Dombrowski, Dombrowski? Yeah, people yell at me to say Dombrowski, but I say Dombrowski because I have no, like, the only, like, <laughs> my last name's the only thing Polish. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm as American as it comes. I just, you know, I don't sleep with my sister. I'm not from the Midwest. That's like, <laughs> the, it's like the only different, like, you know, I don't, there's not a Walmart near me. I have sleeves on my shirt. Uh, and I don't have sexual relations with my, no, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely, I'm completely Americanized. It would be so hypocritical for me to be like, Kevin Dombrowski, and then be like, Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> like, what a fucking, 
yeah, weird that, thing. I'm like, uh, I had a guy on Twitter like be racist to me. He said something about. Uh, uh, hold on, let me hold on, let me let me try to believe that sentence. <laughs> I know, I know. Go that. on. <laughs> uh, he was uh, an Italian guy, and he <laughs> he basically just made the whole thing about me being Irish. And I'm like, dude, I know McLean seems like it's super Irish. I'm not right. that Irish. First off, it's not even Irish; it's Scottish. And uh, yeah. the next part is like I'm like like 16 percent Irish. It's just like it's, you know how like exactly <laughs> what you're saying. The only thing Polish is your last name because. Somehow that filtered through all of the varying right, layers right. of white that made you, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, well, dude, let me tell you something. Like, my um, my father-in-law, my <laughs> nothing says I trust the person you're marrying, like uh, le- like like getting him a 23 and me for Christmas. Uh, but my father-in-law <laughs> made me, not made me, how fucking funny would that be if he, like, held a shotgun to me and was like, spit in this jar. <laughs> Uh, he, he got me a 23 in May because ironically, um, my wife's family is all Scottish and Irish. They're mm. American and they've been here for a long time, but they are like specifically Scottish and Irish, yeah. like from certain villages that you can trace back. So we all went over there, uh, for my in-laws like 30th anniversary. So I was like, oh, this is really cool seeing like all the heritage and, um, you know, there's like street names with like their last name and stuff. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and so he was like, Oh, I'll, I'll get you one. So we did it. And I am straight, straight Eastern block. There is <laughs> nothing, dude. I am like, I'm like Polish, Hungarian, Russian, German, Ukraine, Turkish. Like I am like, dude, when I tell you, like, not only was I, my family like raping and pillaging, but I was also getting raped and pillaged. Like we are all one in the same. We're there a, it is. A human centipede of raping and pillaging. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, my yeah, like every all the bad shit that happened, my family caused and suffered. So it's like it's such a a weird. I'm a very very select part of this world. Uh, so I think that's why it's like um, like the whole Dombrowski thing. It, that's why I don't identify with anything because I'm like. Dude, if you look at my ancestry, it's just like basically just Eastern Europe. That's yeah. all it is. Um, and so, like uh, for me, I'm just like it's weird. It would be weird for me to identify just as Polish because it's like, dude, if you saw the bloodline, literally, there's like blood on the ground, like leading to my ancestors. It's yeah. fucking crazy. I did find out though that Dombrowski means royalty. Like it's a oh, royal really? family in Poland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think which it's is. A- I don't know if you've had this experience where I was, I see these guys like knocking over or uh, protecting Italian dudes, protecting Christopher Columbus statues. And I'm like, can you imagine identif- identifying with your background so much that you would protect oh, a yeah. statue? Do yeah, I, mean? I would, you know, I, um, <laughs> that reminds me, I, I meant to buy a bat in case someone tries to tear down the Jerry Seinfeld statue, uh, <laughs> outside, outside of Gotham. That's the only lineage that I identify with. I'll go to war for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right let's talk about uh your baby you have uh you, you you're having a baby on purpose right which is not very common for uh, yeah comedians yeah. <laughs> correct <laughs> at one point in my life it may not have i may not have tried so hard for this uh but yeah no having a baby on purpose which is um you know i i think that's <laughs> It feels like the right way to do it because I want this. So it feels like I'm doing it the right way. Yeah. The, and, and even like I always it's funny to me because I have a lot of like um, I was like a young atheist. So uh, 
I'm like over the militant part by like a long shot. Like I don't give a fuck anymore. And I've started to think right. about my life and I'm like, I'm married. We like our homeowners. We have a dog and a child. Like I'm a Christian basically. Like I don't do any of the shit or believe anything, but I'm basically living a Christian life. I, my, you're, uh, you're more wholesome than Catholics is basically what you are. Yeah. I'm just like a boring, fat old atheist <laughs> that lives a Christian life and then is like not even secretly an atheist. I'm just an apathetic atheist. I don't want to argue with anyone. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Proof. Also, I think that's how J.K. Rowling is starting her new book. I was a young atheist. <laughs> uh, you're, and you're, how long have you been married for? Uh, two, two and a half years. Oh yeah. So this is like you guys like plant. How long have you been with your wife? So we live. We've lived together now for seven years. We were roommates. Um, we were like best friends. I grew up in Jersey. Wait, she is your wife Gina Sac- Bisconti? Say, would say again. Is your wife Gino Bisconti? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's you should see uh, how hard it is getting someone pregnant in their butthole. Uh, it really having it having the baby stick is really the key. Um, <laughs> what I love about this is I'm home right now and my wife can only hear my side of the conversation. <laughs> And she was like, what's the podcast about? And I was like, oh, it's about being a dad. And all I've just said is you should see how hard it is to get pregnant in your butthole. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were, we were, we were roommates first. Mm-hmm. And then I, like my lease was up in Jersey. She had moved from San Francisco to New York. And we worked together. We like waited. She was a hostess at a restaurant that I waited tables mm. at in Times Square. And so we met each other, hated each other, <laughs> then liked each other. Uh, started hanging out. I crashed on our floor. Uh, it was a four-bedroom apartment. One roommate had moved out, so I got my own room. And then we started dating each other. And then we moved into a master room, and then Gino moved in. Mm. Uh, like, no shit. So, like, the whole that whole apartment, the seven roommate thing that Gino's got going on, that was my wife's apartment. Oh, wow. So, like, all, all of that, like, uh, like, Gino's lived there. Joe Bartnick has stayed there. Bronson Jones, Chad Zumach, Dustin Hempstead. Oh, um, I know. Dustin Hempstead's a Seattle guy. <clears throat> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love, I love um, Dustin. Oh, uh, he's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, who else? Uh, Menu and Heart has lived there. Uh, it's just been like a... Like, my poor wife, she moved here with her sister and her two girlfriends. And then, like, one by one, you know, Gino and his degenerates... Just like slowly took over the apartment, and now like I just apologize to her every day. It was seven years ago, but I wake up and I'm like, "Hey, I'm sorry about how we met." They're like fucking uh, termites. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so that's funny. So so we dated for we dated for three years. We were engaged for a year, and then we've been married for two years. So we've we've really been together for like five six years, somewhere around there. Right on. Do you guys know how long have you been pregnant for? Or how long has she been Um, We found out right before the pandemic. We found out end of January, early February. So we are, we're literally due October 8th. So we are three weeks as of today. That is, or uh, tomorrow. That is terrifying. It's also terrifying to imagine that you said right before the pandemic and then October, and I have no concept of time right now. So I'm like, oh, she's only like four months pregnant. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that baby's going to be premature. (laughs) That's, uh, wow. That's, so I assume that, I mean, it's very stressful. I can tell you we had a baby not in a pandemic. 
uh, about a right. year ago, and it's like very. Stressful. Oh, congrats, man! Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we have a, a one-year-old daughter. Do you know what you're having? I assume you do. Having a girl. Did you uh, set any uh, national forests on fire announcing that? or No, I actually just lit myself on fire when I found <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> no, we, I, I wanted a girl. Uh, I, I, you know, look, I always like pictured me having a boy first, mm-hmm. but my wife is uh, honestly, like, uh, whatever, comic aside, uh, my wife is so badass that like, I, wanted, I wanted a little her, and I want her to raise my daughter. It's like it's a very exciting thing for me. I say it on stage, or whenever I get on stage, I do say it mm-hmm. <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, but I say that my wife is uh, like the perfect feminist for my daughter, and I don't mean annoying. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, she genuinely roots for the female species, but fucking hates the bitch that just walked in. And I think that that's perfect, where it's like she doesn't generalize blindly, mm-hmm. like, her allegiance is for women and empowering, but if you piss her off, she will call you a cunt in one second. <laughs> and so that's like, that's why I'm excited to have a daughter. I'm like, ah, I want a little one of that. You know what I mean? Like, I want her to have her personality and pal around with, you know, me and my degenerate friend. She said she's going to have an interesting life. Yeah, those friends better not be too big of degenerates. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Gino's, luckily, we've got, vi- Gino's got visitation rights, uh, you know, with supervision, so it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be too bad. <laughs> That's, uh, we, so we had a girl, and I'm, I mean, I'm with you, like, I, there's, I love sports, and mm-hmm. there's, like, things that I, like, dude, obviously, I mean, look at me, I'm not, I'm not producing a professional athlete of any gender, okay? <laughs> so, uh, I think that's just, like, a weird ego thing for dudes. <laughs> I, I hope your daughter walks in and she looks like LeBron James and she's like, hi, dad. I'm actually, uh, my daughter's Brittany Griner. She's, uh, I have her get shit off the top shelf for me sometimes. My unborn fetus just won the U.S. Open. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's crazy. I uh, I took a bite of orange. My unborn fetus just uh, blocked my shot and sent it back. Out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyways. Yeah, I, uh, I actually I actually hope my, my daughter comes out finger first, just a finger bag. <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. The Dombrowski. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I uh, I love having a daughter, I'm, and I know that's like I think there's a lot of dudes that are in that. They're like kind of hoped for a boy, got a girl, and now right. they're like true. They're like trying to convince uh, everyone they love it. It's great, man. I don't. I mean, of course, like it's she's a baby, so she's almost genderless, right? Like. It's, just, it's all it is is like like what it's like to clean her diaper is the difference right now. Right. But you're right. You look at that. What'll happen is for any of these uh, any like non psychopath is you're gonna look at your fucking own child and just go. I don't want her to be a different kid. It would suck if she was a different kid. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, and I feel like I feel like she, like. With my wife and I, I feel like we've given her, like, a personality already. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when she, like, the way that she 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 moves or, like, when she moves, when we're talking about certain things, we're like, oh, okay. Like, she likes that type of music or she, you know, like, oh, uh, that's cool. you know, I'm, I'm a very OCD uh, person with some pretty bad anxiety from it. And there's sometimes I'll just, like, get caught in this mental cycle. And the first time... The first time she ever kicked, I was just in this like downward spiral of like looking for any ledge to just grab on and be like, someone slapped me in the face. So I stopped repeating myself and the baby (laughs) kicked. And it was like in that moment, we were like, oh, okay, that's her being like, shut the fuck up. 
Like <laughs> I'm here. Like we have we have larger issues to worry about than whatever the fuck you're rambling about. So it's like I feel like we've given her kind of um, an extension of our personality. So I I at this point couldn't. I can't picture having any anything else other than her. Right. Yeah. That's, at this point, you and I like I haven't even met her yet. You know. Yeah, I think I always hear dads talk about it like they're like, uh, oh, it's so like they almost think it's like noble. They're like, I just want this kid to have five or ten fingers, ten toes, right? right? And I don't think it's really like you reach a point where you're like at peace with it. What you reach is this stress level where that shit is so far under your stress level that you're like, I could not give a shit less about what whether it's a boy or a girl. Like, I just right. want my... I don't want to leave the hospital on the worst possible day anyone could have, right? Like, I want baby and right. mom to come out healthy. Uh, totally. How have the doctor's appointments been? You haven't been able to attend any of the doctor's appointments probably, right? Yeah, I was... I went to... I would say I went to one-third of them. Okay. Um, and I really, I haven't missed a thing. I just haven't been able to go inside. Luckily, oh, yeah. um, living in New York, I, you know, we have a car. Mm. Um, so it's, it's so crazy because it's like, you would think, man, what a crazy time to be having a kid during a pandemic. But then also it's like, she hasn't had to commute to work. She hasn't had to take the subway or a cab around New York. Yeah. I haven't had to worry about her being by herself in the city. Uh, it's also the dead of some. Well, you know, it's getting cooler now, but it was the dead of summer, and she was inside in an air conditioned apartment the whole summer working mm-hmm. from home. So it's like the conditions were actually the best case scenario, and the fact that like we were having a kid, it just like um I don't know, it was like it was a super like um a bright spot, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like all this like fucked up shit. It's like the only redeeming part of this year. It's the only reason I'm happy we're still alive, basically. <laughs> like, you know, like with all this shit going on, I'm like, all right, good. Like I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm happy to go through all of this because at the end of it, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have a kid for the first time, and yeah. that's fucking awesome. So that's been okay. Uh, so I have driven her to all of the appointments. Uh, I Facetime once or twice, but it's just kind of weird because mm-hmm. you're just like, we're just sitting there staring at each other while the technicians just like. You know, like doing the shit on her belly, but it's like yeah. no one's talking in there. So I just hear like this elevator music, and I'm in the car with people honking, and I'm like, "Can I go?" Like I, I, I want to be in there. Yeah. But this isn't a substitute. I'd rather you come out and then be like, "I'm like, okay, walk me through what happened. Like, what did they yeah. say? What do we need to know? How did it, you know? How's everything looking?" Um. Most of the time, she'll come out with an ultrasound picture, just say "your baby," and uh, and give me the picture, and then we'll you know we'll we'll kind of run through it on the way home. So it sucked at first, but I do think um, I think how we've done it has uh, has been a good substitute, kind of for for what I'm lacking being in the actual appointments. That's good. Yeah, I think they're not uh, they're not exactly like trips to the amusement park anyway. <laughs> like, no. like I remember no. a couple times being in ultrasound rooms, and I'm like, I wonder if my wife will be able to notice that I'm looking at my phone because this is so <laughs> boring right now. Uh, yeah, I had a gender reveal while playing Candy Crush. I was <laughs> like, the re- next one I break, that's <laughs> that's the sex of the child. <laughs> Did you guys? I mean, I guess like I guess the maybe the pandemic uh, conspired against this anyway. But did you have any kind of gender reveal party? Oh, no. okay. We, I got an email 
we went to the computer, we read it together, and uh, and then we called. Um, we waited. We waited a while. We had a little bit of trouble at first. Um, so we wanted to wait specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to wait specifically until it was like safe. We just had a little bit of trouble, like the the first go around getting pregnant. Yeah. And so this time it was like, okay, let's let's wait, let's see what happens, blah blah blah. Um, so once it hit like the, the, you know, the 12 week or a little bit over, and then we got the gender, it was like, okay, cool. Now we can, now we can tell people. So it was basically like, Hey, we're pregnant. And people were like, Oh my God. And we're like, it's also a girl. All right, cool. Well, there's all the information. All right. So I'm going to go tell, you know, the next person. Dude, I really wish they would tell people how like common the, like having a hard time with it is. Whether it's a miscarriage or it took us six months, and uh, right, and that's like six months. Plenty of people have gone a lot longer than that, but every month was demoralizing. I know, I know. It really is. It's super stressful because no one, no one really does talk about that. And I, I do say that a lot on stage, where it's like, like having a child and raising a child is obviously hard. Like mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to be intelligent to realize that's a difficult thing, Mm -hmm. but no one talks about the difficulty of actually making a child, like what goes into it and how hard it is. Like I used to say, I haven't said this in probably since the pandemic, it was a bit that I was working on about, um, like, I don't understand how there are so many teen pregnancies when it is so difficult Mm -hmm. to have a child. Like, I don't know if teenagers, you know, they're obviously just more fertile, but for me, I'm like, is it luck is it stupidity? Like, what goes into all of that? Because, you know, I mean, dude, you know, you got to go fucking around the clock. It's like, it yeah. gets to the point where you're like, this isn't even hot anymore. This is yeah. just, I have a bit this, about this that. feels like I'm going to the gym. I have a bit about that because the my the analogy I make is that it's like, uh, like when single people think they're like, oh, you're fucking all the time, no condom. And it's like, yeah, but it's. It's like a, an appointment, though. You know what I mean? Like it's a, I, the what I say is that it's like a. I'm a surgical assistant, and my wife is the lead surgeon, and I'm late so to every appointment. Like, uh, I also, by the way, I had this because you go through these like periods of resentment. I think also, I took a. Uh, you can buy a sperm count test on Amazon. This is true, and I did take oh. one. I have a bit about it also, but when I took it, I was like, if I don't have sperm. I'm so right. mad that I haven't been so much more promiscuous in my life. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, so true. And that's actually, that's funny because it's like not really a similar angle, but I think uh, because it's so hard to get pregnant, I think that women tricked us into using condoms. Mm. I think that I think that we were tricked into it. Because if I had known it was this difficult this whole time, I still, dude, I would have gone crazy in my 20s. You know what I mean? Like, whatever STDs are out there is fine. But, like, I was I was afraid of making a child. I thought, I was under the impression you stuck it in and then you pulled out a child. It was like, um, it was like that Looney Tunes where you put the fish in and then you pull out the bones. Like, I, th- I thought you put it in and a child came out on the other side. I thought that's how easy it is. It's fucking hard to make a kid. Yeah, dude, I've never taken an antibiotic for a fun reason. You know what I mean? Well, the worst is, too. The worst is, too, is, like, if you have trouble and you have to wait a little bit, too, and all you're trying to do is have kids, like, I used to I used to say, too, is um, going back to condoms is 
probably the worst thing that you can do because like no one no one goes back in the closet you know what i mean you come out and you live your life and it's like uh what do you call it it's it here's what it's like you can go from having sex with the condom to without, and it feels like discovering America. But if you were to go from having sex without to having sex with, it feels like you're going from holding someone's hand to visiting that person in prison and putting your hands against the glass. Like, that's <laughs> that's about the equivalent of the intimacy that you feel there. My friend, uh, my friend, and this might be like a, a hacky old man phrase, but my friend said that... Uh, Having sex without a condom is like driving on a highway with no stoplights, and then going back to uh, going back to condoms, I guess would be like you hit bumper to bumper traffic. <laughs> um, are, so did you, you ever got, did you ever go to did, did you ever go through the thing where you had to go back and buy condoms? Did you ever do that? Uh, I've uh, I've made a life rule of just um, buying them all on Amazon. Oh, you know, see, that's fucking smart. I'm always the person that leaves shit to the last minute. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a good plan ahead type person, mm-hmm. which is where the, the booking the podcast really <laughs> <laughs> gives me a weekly dose of anxiety. Um, but dude, there's nothing, there's nothing creepier than being 35 and going to buy condoms. It feels <laughs> so fucking weird. It feels like, it, you know what I mean? Especially like, like Lucy's, like if you, <laughs> you go and get one condom, it feels like it feels like you have someone waiting in the fucking parking lot, like tied up in your van, like it, <laughs> or, or waiting just, on an envelope full of cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels like there's you're on like the business end of some suspicious deal that's happening. Mm-hmm. When it's like in reality, I'm like, no, I just want to have sex with my wife. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just trying to do the right thing here. Please, just sell me this. Oh man, that's that's funny. I yeah, it's been uh it's been a long time since I've bought condoms in person and it, it was embarrassing then. Um oh man. I remember we used to go into there was this is how much of a I'm a I like getting a good deal uh on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you buying your condoms from a dollar store? No, dude. You, we used to. Do you guys have? Is I don't know if Lovers Package is that a is that a national chain or is it a regional? Okay. I don't think so. So it's like a sex store, and you walk in. <laughs> I hope there's only one, and now everyone knows exactly where you live. <laughs> I know there's. I know there's several of them in my region. Uh, yeah, so it's called Lovers Package. But you walk in, it's so funny because you walk in and it's like just dildos and leather and fucking S&M and sex swings. And I'm just buying out of, they send me home in with a fucking a lunch bag full of condoms. <laughs> because it was, I think it, it's, just a, it's like, like a sandwich baggie. It's one of those individual like plastic little no, things. brown bag. Fucking brown. Oh. <laughs> it looks like I was buying drugs in the 70s. Like yeah, you basically were. <laughs> I uh yeah, so we would get them whatever that was cheaper there, so I'd just go in there and buy a lot of them. Um yeah. and now like I don't have to do that anymore because again, I'm a boring old atheist. So, uh walking into one of those places is just not it's not my uh not in my comfort zone, I will say that. Um, I went into a sex shop one time to get a blow-up doll for, like, a photo shoot. You know when you start comedy and you're like, I'm going to take a wacky picture. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm going to take a picture like I passed out with a blow-up doll. And I went into, uh, like, a sex shop, and I got got the doll, and I went to the front, 
and there was this dude that was gonna like um you know check me out or whatever and then the girl next to him was like i got him and she was like i know what he does and i was like what the fuck and uh she was like ringing it up and she was like um do you have any shows coming up and i was like i'm sorry what and she was like yeah you're a comedian right and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This is like the first time, by the way, that anyone ever like, like whatever recognized me outside of stand up. And it was fucking blo- like buying a blow up doll. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I've got I've got some new talent show at like Caroline's coming up or whatever. And she was like, oh, you know, let me know. Like, I, I definitely, you know, I want to come see you. And then I was like, OK. And then I like realized what I was doing. And I went, I'm not going to fuck this. Like, this is for, in the the middle of it, I was like, "Uh, this is for a picture. This isn't, I'm not doing, it was like such a a weird moment. And she was like, oh, I don't care. And she was like, anyway, I gave you 50% off. And I was like, can you please just run my credit card so I can get the fuck out of here? Well, that's the shit, though, with those ladies that you don't, you don't realize it's like a doctor, right? Where it's like, you go in and you're like, oh, I have this, you know, whatever embarrassing thing. And they've seen everything so like uh, you buying, it's a great point yeah you buying a blow-up doll that's like you're the 75th comedian to walk in and buy a blow-up doll right? <laughs> the uh that's funny i, that's I had funny. a moment yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it's a just mo- uh it's just like a normal day in the er for her <laughs> <laughs> i uh i had a moment at, right after we had the baby where uh i was performing for one of the first times since my wife had had the baby uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, like sold out show. Nice. And, uh, and uh, I'm telling all the new baby material, like in the middle, because it sucks still. And uh, the I say doctor, and this lady in the audience screams out midwife at me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I, uh, I say doctor, and she just keeps arguing with me back and forth. Doctor, midwife, doctor, midwife. I go, I don't give a shit. I'll say midwife. I just keep, let me keep telling right. the joke. And uh, after the show, she approached me, and it was the midwife that had delivered our baby. Shut up. I swear to fucking God. And it, the the worst part of it all is I have a bit out of it now, but I had my camera set up. I have video, but the audio fucked up. So I, I don't have that moment. Mm. I was so upset <laughs> because it's so it was so crazy. Like, it's a big enough town. We didn't have our baby in Tacoma. Like, so... like. Uh, unlikely that this lady would have been there, and it was the only, sh- probably the only show my wife has been to since we had our daughter. She was in the right. audience also. So after the show, the lady <laughs> came up to me and she's like, "Casey, I know you." And I was like, "Holy shit! Give me one minute. I gotta go grab my wife." And then we had like this crazy. And then I was like, "Can you also please not heckle at comedy shows?" <laughs> like- As a PSA, that's really rude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I think I had one of those moments where I said I was raised by my mom, and then my dad was in the audience for the first time. No. Uh, <laughs> he was like, no, you weren't. And I was like, uh, yes, I was. You were never there. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the reason it's the first time he's seen you perform. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wrote the setup, I guess. Uh, are you th- – I think about this all the time. You're, you said you're 35. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm 34, and I just – uh, I can't imagine going to like a school event and I'm going to be when my daughter's 15, I'm going to be 50 or uh, 49 and there's mm-hmm. going to be like 31 year olds there that have kids. Oh, yeah. 
when when she's five, there's going to be like 22, 23 year olds there. And I hate those people now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I um I do think about it, but I also don't think like fuck being qualified. I don't think I was ready to be a father and I don't mean like take care of a child. I mean like actually be a dad. Like yeah. I don't think I don't think any time before this I would have been good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would have been like kind of lost in figuring it out because I was lost in figuring my own shit out. Mm-hmm. And now is like, you know, I said this to my wife the other day. It's like, dude, I'm not, I don't only feel ready. I'm like genuinely excited. I'm like mm-hmm. genuinely happy about this. Like, I feel like a father. I feel like her dad already. Like, I feel like I'm like super excited for this part of my life because it just, I don't know. I feel like everything, everything is just kind of blending into, who I am right now and it just feels so natural and it feels so real that it's like oh no this this part of my life is who I've always should have been you know what yeah. I mean like like everything led up and it sounds like such a Miss America answer I would never change anything because they wouldn't be the person I am today uh but I legit like I feel like everything led to this and this is like I feel like I'm in my prime right now I mm-hmm. feel you know, a little out of rhythm with stand up, but everyone in the industry does. Yeah, at least everyone but else I is also... not doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like I'm falling behind. We're yeah. all being horrible. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever felt as uh good in comedy or, or as funny and confident. I don't feel like I have anything to prove. I put out an album that you know uh, was really good that people really enjoyed you know it, and it was fucking brutal to put that thing out there and like be you know just be like judge me mm-hmm. you know what i mean just like fucking drifted out there but the fact that like it went well is like okay i contributed something to stand up mm-hmm. and i'm not saying it's like this great out what i'm saying is like i've done something and it's and people like it so i don't feel like I have anything to prove. So, like, I feel confident. I feel funny. In my personal life, I feel, um, you know, like I have some sort of personal success where it's like my wife and I have a good marriage. We're having a kid that we meant to have. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's like, it's, I, you know, I can make jokes about it all day. And I, I, I do because that's just where my humor comes from. It's a very personal uh, act for me. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I do think about that, but I also don't think it would have gone, like, not not only would it have not been as well, it would not have gone well. Mm-hmm. If I had done this at any point in my life, it would have been a complete disaster. So I know, I I'll take that, that age gap. I'll yeah. take that. I don't care. Well, yeah, I mean, and, like, statistically, those their kids are going to be murderers or something, so... Uh... <laughs> Right, right. No. <laughs> yeah, you have you have children raising children. Mm-hmm. Someone's gonna be fucked up in the process. Yeah, like I, you know, I just think about how those people are gonna end up at my house at some point. You know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be an ugh. event. Ah, see, this is all bad. It's uh, not me, not me. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't hang out with people I actually like. There's no fucking way I'm hanging out with my daughter's friends' fucking parents. Oh, not I, gonna happen. I know you're you're saying that, but I do not think that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't. I want to have like I want to have like a ten year reunion of this episode, and I will make it my fucking mission to be like I did not hang out with one fucking dork 
from that elementary school. Uh, I swear to God. I think what you're going to, it'll be hard because you'll be on a fucking PTA somewhere and uh, it's going to be really <laughs> difficult for you to make time for this 10 year reunion. Uh, <laughs> I have some questions about having a kid in New York. Uh, my wife and I love New York, but we'll, I mean, yeah. we'll never move there. Uh, how are you going to, how big is your apartment? So right now we live in uh, East Harlem, and luckily, because my wife is very successful, uh, you know now we split the bills. But it wasn't; <laughs> it was not like that for a while. Um, but luckily, right now we have. Yeah, it's so funny. I like never even talk about it because I always just shit on myself. But uh, we have a two bedroom, two bath. Oh shit! Uh, two bedroom, two bath, two balcony. Uh, apartment on the the top floor of our building so we have like the whole right side top top yeah it's the nicest place i've ever lived um it's not like a a luxury building it's just a new building Mm -hmm. in in old neighborhood and uh and we found it when we moved out of the 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 zoo that we were living in with gino visconti (laughs) Uh, my wife found a one-bedroom apartment in this building and we moved into that, mm. and then we stayed there for two and a half years, and then, you know, right before the pandemic, things were really fucking good, so this, we wanted to start trying to have kids, and things were really crowded in that place, <clears throat> so this apartment came open, so it's just two floors above where we used to live. Oh, wow. So it came open, like, overnight, you know, my wife was, like, looking for, for new apartments, just, like, online, and uh, and she was like, oh, holy shit, the two-bedroom in the place, because there's only... There's only four two bedrooms in the building. I, I'm sorry. There's six. The top two floors are the same modeled, mm-hmm. but the seventh, I'm on the eighth. The seventh, oh my god, dude, the fucking patio that the seventh floor has, front and back, is like a studio apartment on oh, each shit. side. Like that's like the penthouse of the place. It's fucking ridiculous. And then I have, I have like, you know, it's. I'm gonna sound like an asshole when I go. I have my tiny balcony, uh, but <laughs> I, I am. I do have a balcony. That's just above their patio. And thank God I'm friends with my neighbor. Because otherwise I would just like look down and apologize to them every day for just, for just like being there. They're in this like they have all these like stone pavers and all this like really nice like grilling shit. And then I'm sitting there smoking a fucking cigar on a podcast. And I just feel like, sorry, dude, I'm a piece of shit. I just got lucky. I've pissed um, off some balconies like that before. I'm uh, you're, you're not a bad neighbor, I don't think. Uh, no, no, no. I you, luckily, luckily we we bond over cigars, and he's a comedy fan anyway. So it uh, when it, dude, it's so funny because his now everything's changing, but he's a stay at home dad, and I would be during the day. Mm-hmm. So it's like two, <laughs> it's like two tough New York dudes talking to each other, but like being dads. Like I was installing <laughs> this studio. And I texted him. I'm like, "Yo, pussy, come up and help me with this desk." And he's like, "I bet I just put muffins in the oven." <laughs> it's like, like that's like how we talk to each other. And it, we're like, "Dude, we would totally. We're gonna be like just like two like overly macho dudes with fucking baby Bjorns being like, what's up, bag?'" <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, the I uh, I have. It's good that you have good neighbors. I have a, I bought a smoker, which is, I think, I was never as interested in smoking meat as when I became a dad, and then suddenly something starts brewing inside of you. My neighbors, uh, we have a burn ban now because the West Coast is on fire, but uh, yeah, for months, just every weekend, I'm just smoking up their backyards, 
<laughs> I live uh, I live next to though the the people there's like a a trans woman and another wo- and a woman uh, cis woman I guess uh, couple <laughs> uh, that sounded a lot less I, I'm woke I'm woke uh, <laughs> and then there's a lesbian an orig- a trans woman <laughs> and an original woman I think that's I think te- like technically speaking yeah I think. So, you can say that. So I, these aren't macho New York dudes, is my point. And it's a the Northwest is a lot more <laughs> passive aggressive. So I've right. I've heard a lot of very heavy sighs the second I light up a charcoal starter on the other side of the uh. fence. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so that's a disappointing. I was hoping you would have like a shoebox you were living in. Uh, I, was, I yeah, I used to. Um, I used to, and then, uh, and then I married up. Uh, so, <laughs> I didn't know so you married luckily, uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jeff Bezos, I, I would marry Jeff Bezos, period. <laughs> uh, and then what, I, so you have a car also. What mm-hmm. I kept thinking about, so we did New York, we, when did we get pregnant? November. We did New York, like, we were like, we're not going to be back here for a long time. Uh, right. So March, we're going to go to New York, and then April, we'll start trying. And uh, I kept thinking about it. I was like, how do you, like, a car seat in a cab? I don't think a New York cab driver's letting you strap a car seat. It Like, hold on, I got to. No. Uh, Uber has a certain, um, I just found out, Uber's got, like, an option for Oh, that. really? That's great. Yeah. But you guys have a and car. And there's a. Yeah, we have a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um yeah, I figured that part out. I've been uh, I've been teaching myself to be a dad online and uh posting the <laughs> videos. It's called Daddy Issues. Uh and so one week was me trying to figure out the car seat, which I figured that out. It gave me trouble. The baby stroller got the best of me. But the car seat the car seat we figured out. So we do have that. Um but there's Ubers have an option and then I just found out when you leave the hotel if you don't have a car, there's a special actual car service in New mm. York specifically for newborns really? and infants. Yeah. So okay. you can order that car service, which has got to be a huge pain in the dick. Yeah. Uh, I could not be happier to have a car. I mean, I've got, I've, I've probably paid, I'm not even bullshitting you, close to $5,000 in tickets and boots and toes <laughs> and in the seven years I've lived in the city, I have paid out the asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've kept I've literally kept Gracie Mansion uh, uh, like the lights <laughs> on with the tickets that I've paid. But once you find your rhythm, luckily the neighborhood we're in now, I don't have much trouble parking or or get a lot of tickets. Um, so it's not an issue of it's really it's it's not an issue at all. In terms of like carting, carting the kid around, we have a big enough place now where you know she'll be fine. Like actually, like the oh, cribs, there you go. yeah, cribs literally right there. Uh, I just uh, figured out the bassinet that's in my room now, um, which I'll be posting that video online tonight uh, once I edit that garbage. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not as difficult as you would think it is. It's just. It's not convenient. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's it. That's that's exactly what I want to say. It's like it's not that difficult to live in New York. It's just not convenient at all. Yeah. There's no there's no convenience to living here, especially with a kid. Everything is difficult. 
Yeah, I think that there's like I would argue that as a as a single person or someone without kids, there's things that are convenient, like how you there's every fucking neighborhood has the best food you in the world, basically of some kind. Right, right. that's great. The subways. I know people complain about them. You should try public transportation anywhere else. It's fucking horrific. <laughs> uh, the subways, yeah, they're gross and they're whatever late, dude. They're gross and late everywhere else, and then they stop running at like six p.m. or something like that. They're inconvenient. Uh, yeah, I I love it there. And then I was like, the second we had a kid, like we live in a part of uh, we live in Tacoma, Washington, which is like the mm. second biggest city in Washington. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Oh, okay, you've been to Tacoma? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So we live in the part that's most like Seattle, is what how I would got describe it. it. And uh, got it, got it. It's like you go. Uh, our lot is very small. We don't have any property. We have like this house that's like a decent sized house. But the second we had a kid, I was like, "Fuck! I wish we would have bought a house like away from here." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like not. I, I don't need to be out of the city, but like, give us some space. Give us a neighborhood. We're, we're like, I mean, right. I can walk to fifteen bars from my house easily, and I'm fat. Uh, and I can walk to many bars, and that's great when you're. Not when you don't have a kid, because you can right. go do that stuff at night. But now it's like, I mean, not now, but before yeah. it was like, you know, there's, we got graffiti on our garage and loud people in the alley and shit like that, that I don't know. Right. If, I don't know if that's the best environment for a kid. Yeah. I mean, there's that, you know, look, New York is, is crazy right now. Um, the crime rate's insane. I mean, it's like every... You know, every other second I get uh, some citizen app alert about some stabbing or I shooting you, and shit like that. There was a machete today, right? Uh, yeah, well, that was, I think that was yesterday. There was a group with one machete. Uh, <laughs> there's, dude, and then, like, the next one was Raging Dumpster Fire by Popeyes. Like, there's all this, like, crazy shit that happens. And, look, here's the thing. Is my neighborhood, it's a little, it's a little rough. But it's mainly, honestly, like, gang-to-gang shit, mm -hmm. and no one else gets fucked with. Right. Like, I, dude, I've lived, I've lived here for seven years. I've never had an issue with anyone. I, I mean, I also look like a cop, uh, <laughs> so, so people are, are probably afraid to say something to me for, you know, some uh, fear of retaliation. Um, but, I, like, I've never had an issue here. I'm not... I'm not worried about raising a kid here. Yeah. I just want more for her. So like um like a buddy of mine is uh it's in contract right now buying a building right outside of the city in Jersey, in Union City. Mm. And it's an entire building with a backyard and he's running his business out of the bottom of it and then there's like a three bedroom, two bath Again, two balconies, like full open kitchen, backyard, blah, blah, blah. So uh, my wife and I are most likely going to move into that. And it's for only for the reason of like, it's close to her office, which is in Midtown, if she does go back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's close to the city where I can be in and out and do stand-up. Um, I don't want to move away from the city, but it's also got a backyard and it's not mm -hmm. just a rough environment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want... I don't want my kid going to New York public school. It doesn't matter what neighborhood I, I live in. That was always our deal of like, right. we'll stay here until she's got to go to school and then we'll figure out 
the next option. I asked um, my wife. But this, what, I asked my wife what question she would ask someone because I have like a bunch of dumb dude questions. But she that was the question she asked: Is did you think mm. about the schools ever? Because uh, that's another thing. Oh, I've definitely. Never, I've never thought about the schools when I was thinking about a place to live. Right until now. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, for for us, that was a main motivating factor of where we like. We're still like we'll be renting. Mm-hmm. It'll be an upgrade in terms of um, quality of life, but it's not it's not the end goal. You know, right. like uh, this place is really like very us. You know, like down to like the she's from she's from Sacramento, so she's got you know like she grew up in uh, Wyoming. Um, with her grandfather on a ranch, so there's like cactuses everywhere. Yeah, it's very, I see a cactus it's, in the background there. Yeah, it's super New York modern meets Western rustic. So it's just like that's like literally our vibe. So it's like all of my shit's just like sleek and black and squares, and then she's got like all like reclaimed wood and cactuses. So it's like it's just like this this very us vibe that we we have. Uh, so like this place was great. For our marriage. Now it's like if we want to move forward and accomplish anything in life, you know, and have a kid and pass on some sort of legacy, then it's like, okay, I think we're probably going to live in that place, which aesthetically is not a brand new building on the top floor of a New York City building, Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's got a backyard and it's got shit that it's like, uh, you know, I I don't have to worry about her walking around New York and something happening. Uh, yeah. And then we'll figure out from there. You know, we'll we'll look into we're looking either um, like north of Manhattan, like Westchester area, like kind of by the Hudson, but above above New York City. Or um, I grew up surfing South Jersey, um, so I can get to like the beaches that I surf at in an hour fifteen from this apartment. So it would be like an hour. You know, maybe a little, maybe 50, 55 minutes to Midtown. Mm-hmm. So we're either going to look above New York or like middle Jersey where it's like easy to commute to the city. And, you know, I'll just live out my fantasies of uh, being, you know, a homeless beach person. <laughs> uh, and then I'll I'll let you uh, go. I, at some point, I, you should come back on and we'll talk more about comedy. But I don't want to take too much time away from uh, your wife or my wife. So uh, you've been very <laughs> generous with your time so far. Are you going to have another kid? Do you think? Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, definitely. We um. I want to do a six-month reunion of this podcast and ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You're going to see on my face how exhausting it is making a kid. I'm just going to be sweating. I'm going to be cramping up. <laughs> I'm going to go get me the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, I'm one of two. She's one of three. Uh, so it always, uh, with both of us, it's like at least two. Uh, just to give her... Someone to grow up with. <clears throat> my um, my nephew is eight, and my niece just turned one, and it's a big gap mm-hmm. between them. And he's he's a great older brother and takes care of her, and it's really cute to see that. But th- you know, it's for everything they they will gain. It's also kind of missing out on not growing up together. Like they mm-hmm. don't they won't have the stories that like my brother and I had, or like my wife and her sister had, and stuff like that. It'll be somewhere uh, between so we, an uncle and a brother, right? Or a, <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, so we want to. I think what we were saying is when she turns two, start trying again, and then see what happens. So it's like her siblings are all three years apart, and my brother and I are two and a half. 
So that seems like it seems like the right time to start. And then, you know, plus hopefully by that time it's like we're ready to actually get a house and figure out our own situation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know when uh I don't know how you could, these people with Irish twins I don't understand. Uh Oh, I know. I know. It's fucking insane. Yeah, I don't know how you could even like like recover from the PTSD of the whole thing in that amount of time. Our daughter's a, a year plus. She's 13 months now. Uh, mm. Yeah, 13 and a half months. Uh, and it's been great. And also, by the way, you were talking about how it's been kind of nice to have your wife in the house. Like, it's been Definitely. really cool. Everybody's suffering, but I get to, like, dude, if, if comedy was around and I was going into the office for my day job, I would spend so much less time with my daughter than I have gotten to, right? And I want to go do all that stuff when it's back. Uh, I don't know if I want to go into the office, but I want to go do comedy (laughs) on the road and all that stuff. And uh, I'm kind of glad that I got to take time off and everybody else had to take time off so like my comedy ego could handle it. And then I got to spend (laughs) all this time with my daughter which I like is very unique, right? So everybody in the world is suffering. I'm kind of having a blast, to be honest with you. Yeah, dude, I agree. Um, it's you know, you know how the third trimester is, especially it's like we have three weeks left. So like now, you know, now it's uncomfortable for her, pretty much being awake. Yeah. Uh, so that is that's literally been the hardest part of this. Like at first, it was like, okay, what are we gonna do? Uh, things were good before, so you know we, we didn't take too much of like a financial hit. Thank God, I'm so lucky to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like things are things were good there, it, it, and you know what? It was kind of like old school. Like when my wife and I met, I slept on her floor, like I said, for nine months, and it kind of went back to like that old school like sleepover oh, yeah. when like we started dating and it's like dude I'm you know I'm I'm fucking waking up and making two grilled cheeses at midnight and just like you know you know drinking a a, a fucking whiskey and then going back to bed and being like <laughs> I have no responsibility like you don't have to go anywhere I don't have to worry I can fucking do whatever I want so it's I, I dude I feel you on there it's like um I, but I think that we're lucky mm-hmm. to be in that position to be able to say man like this has been kind of a blast and kind of you know like you don't want to say it but it's kind of fucking blessing Mm -hmm. all this shit's happening now because it's like you know quality of of life definitely for being pregnant worked out for sure yeah yeah that's a by the way uh you know some guys quit drinking when their wives are pregnant but uh oh yeah yeah yeah. no no no. some (laughs) some guys do and then other people drink (laughs) other other people drink for two (laughs) all right i hope you enjoyed kevin dombrowski he's uh i you know i didn't this isn't going to be included on the podcast if you want to hear the the full length interview of this there's a little bit that we talked about before uh before the podcast started that will be included on patreon um I didn't know Kevin at all before this. We follow each other on Twitter, but other than that, like I don't I've never met him before. Um and by we follow each other on Twitter, there's this shit that uh comics do where they follow other comics and friend comics on uh Facebook. 
And it's not because, so Kevin followed me, but it's not because Kevin is a fan of me. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's a thing comics do to build their follower counts and whatnot. And I've, I've uh, partaken in it myself. Kevin is, uh, Kevin's a funny guy though. Like I've enjoyed it. I've made the, apparently I've made the cut to remain followed by him and I've continued to follow him because he's very funny. So the point is I did not know Kevin at all before this podcast started. And I had so much fun. I think you can hear it. Like I laughed genuinely a lot. Uh, let's talk about, man, football this week was brutal. I am playing fantasy football. Uh, I probably would have played in more leagues if I had been invited to more leagues. I only got invited to a, a comedian's league, which is fine. Uh, that's plenty of fantasy football for me. I went like three years without playing fantasy football after having played genuinely, I think, since 1996. From like 96 to 2016, I played fantasy football. And then I took three years off, and then I played again last year. So I'm not going to tell you about my fantasy team, but I am going to tell you that it may, it really makes you pay attention to the entire league more. And the injuries were just brutal. Seven torn ACLs. Multiple other like multi-week injuries. It does make you wonder if there is a purpose for the preseason. I've kind of suspected my life my whole life as a sports fan that the NFL preseason is a way to get season ticket holders to pay like the Seattle Seahawks, my favorite team. They have a waiting. I'm on a waiting list. I'm on a waiting list to get on the waiting list to buy season tickets. By the time I'm able to buy season tickets, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk up the stairs of the stadium to get to my seats. And so I've always kind of thought that these preseason games were a way for these owners to get two more tickets worth of revenue off of people. And by the way, I'm not saying that's not what it is. But a benefit, it's possible that there is a conditioning benefit that we are seeing uh, not in place this year to, to those preseason games. Because... I mean, God, seven ACLs. I don't know how you stop an ACL. I don't I don't know. It's hard to draw a straight line between fatigue and an injury or, I guess, lack of cardio and an injury, but Jesus. The Seahawks had uh, Bruce Irvin and Marquise Blair. Blair was, I mean... It's one of those tough situations with Blair, too, because they had this happen with uh, Paul Richardson also, where it's like, so he's, so Paul Richardson tore his patellar tendon, which is worse. But he did that, Richardson did that as he was going into, I think his, <clears throat> I think it was like at the end of his third year, 
going into his fourth year, so the last year of his rookie contract, and, you know, he had made all these steps, but then he has this devastating injury and has a hard time coming back. Maybe that's not exactly how it worked out with Paul Richardson. And uh, he had been, like, disappointing early in his career, and it finally started to show some development. And I feel like Marquise Blair uh, showed development at the end of 2019 and then probably was in position to play a lot more with uh, – it was gonna. It was gonna be him and Bradley McDougald and Quandre Diggs vying for two safety spots, and they trade for Jamal Adams, who has been, by the way, uh, an absolute force on that defense. And Blair gets hurt, uh, torn ACL. He gets hurt, by the way, because Quandre Diggs got ejected from that game for a very obvious helmet-to-helmet hit. So, Blair gets put into more action. I'm not I'm not saying that because I'm not blaming Quandre Diggs uh, for Blair getting injured, but the, the safety spot was thin on Sunday. The Seahawks barely squeak out a win against the New England Patriots, and by the way, Pete Carroll got fined for not wearing a mask, if you didn't see that. Uh, $100,000, he had one of those neck gaiters, um, and I guess wasn't wearing it enough or whatever. I can't think of ever seeing him have it over his mouth. When I heard that he was fine, I was like, oh, that probably makes sense. Uh, I think that there's probably something to be gained, however, from all of the coaches who are on the headsets. Why aren't they wearing masks every fucking week? They're they're putting the stupid um, play sheet over their face to shield what they're saying. But we're pulling a mask down to talk into the into the mouthpiece of your headset. No, leave the leave the mask on. Let's make masks a permanent fixture. There's. Richard Sherman wore a mask during all the winter games. He wore like a ski mask, but yeah, let's make this mask thing stick. Besides, there's probably uh, there's probably coaches coaching with the flu down there some years. Um, in sad news, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. It's a scary, I mean, so first off, I'm not a, like a political guy. I would say that on most issues, uh, I can see both sides of the argument. So I'm not going to make this about, uh, generally speaking, this idea that like, I'm scared of the future of this country. I think it's kind of overblown. Um, I'm like a left of center person but I'm not militant about it. Uh, I find that a lot of people seem to, for me, what my goal in life is, and I said this on the episode with uh, Brianda, is I would like my principles 
to define the party I vote for and not the party I vote for to define my principles. And I think that as we've lost religion as a country, and I'm an atheist, by the way, but I want to be an atheist about everything outside of sports fandom. Sports fandom silly. Like, I just want to love the teams that I love unconditionally, like one would a god. But we've made politics our new religion. And so we go, well, my, my God is God and their God is Satan. They are evil. I am good. If they are on the opposite side of the aisle from me politically, they must be bad. And both sides do this, by the way. Uh, I tend to be critical of liberals because I care about liberals and I know more liberals. Which is a fucked up situation to be in, by the way. Because I have friends, I think, that think I'm a conservative because I only talk to them about politics when I'm pointing out the hypocrisy of the people that we probably both vote for. But I, th- I think the Ruth Bader Ginsburg situation is bad because it's going to expose... I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say bad or good in that it's extremely hypocritical. The way the Republicans are handling this is extremely hypocritical. But in order to think that the Republicans are wrong here, in my opinion, it's not good enough that they just stood in the way of Merrick Garland being... uh, what is that called? What's it? Appointed? Being appointed? He was nominated and then appointed. Uh, this is actually my level of ignorance. I, d- I need to make sure right now. Uh... Oh, thank God. Merrick Garland is a man. Uh, I've been saying he. Never seen Merrick Garland's face in my life. I know about the story. Never seen Merrick Garland's face in my life. Um. So in order for it to be wrong to the, you'd have to, this is, it's that, it's that, there's like a fable that's like, uh, is it like the alligator and the scorpion? Is that what it is? Alligator and scorpion? No, it can't be alligator. Scorpion and the crocodile. So it's like, this is the story basically. I'll, I'll sum it up. Uh, the scorpion and alligator are both trying to escape like a flood. Uh, maybe that's not even true. They're trying to cross a river. The scorpion can't swim. The crocodile can. I might've said alligator too many times. Listen, it's not my fucking story. Uh, crocodile's trying to cross the river. The scorpion says, can I please like ride on your back to get to the other side of the river. And the scorpion says, yeah, but you can't sting me. And the scorpion goes, yeah, of course. I want to get to the other side of the river. And then they get halfway across the river, and the scorpion stings him. And the the crocodile's like, what the fuck? You stung me. We're both going to die. And he goes, yeah, I'm a scorpion. What do you expect me to do? I sting. And that's the way I feel about politicians, which is like, uh, yeah, 
of course the Republicans are going to be hypocrites because what the Republicans do is advance Republican uh, ideals, advance Republican positions. And if, and so of course they like, it's extremely hypocritical that they block Merrick Garland and then they're going to try to rush a candidate into the Supreme court, uh, after Ruth Gator Bin Ruth Bader Ginsburg's untimely demise, of course it's hypocritical. But the Democrats are a coin flip away from being the same hypocrites. You know what I mean? Like the the I mean, literally they were trying to do that's the thing that nobody says. They were trying to essentially do that with Merrick Garland, right? Yeah, it was earlier. Uh and it was probably bullshit. And yes, this is a time like there's so much footage of these Republican leaders looking like assholes because they said the yeah. But you want to know what's going to get them reelected? Well, the thing that's going to get them reelected, we got to. This is the thing: their funding and their results are what are, get, are what are going to get them reelected. Nobody. We've, as a country, have given up on the morality of our politicians, obviously. By the two candidates who ran against each other in 2016, it's obvious that we've given up on the morality of our candidates. So so why do we think that this level of... What is this going to change? Imagine, imagine if you're a liberal and the shoe was on the other foot, you'd be, you'd be pissed. If they weren't trying to get a a liberal justice into the Supreme Court when there's an opportunity. Also, we gotta put some term limits on these judges. I there should be no no local or federal government position that does not come with term limits. The Supreme Court should not be a lifetime position. For you know what, for fuck's sake. These these justices should be voted on by the public. That's it. Uh, every open justice seat should be voted on. National election, term limits, the whole thing. Six years. What is that? Senators, uh, governors, Congress people. Who are well, I don't know. Those people. They have term limits. How do we allow these? Old motherfucker, it's, it's, uh, why does it, why is our country run by 70 year olds? Um, I did live comedy. That's it. We'll close it on that. Uh, I did live comedy. I did a show the second time I've done a show at this guy's house. <clears throat> I'm not going to blow up his spot, but it was very fun. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I will have some like video of some of these backyard shows or one show I have video of not it's at a, a farm in Eatonville. Very interesting crowd. Uh, and then just some audio of these shows because they're so different from other comedy shows because it's so intimate. Like I'm using people's bathrooms. I'm 
Tony, this dude Tony, who did the show, uh, he is, by the way, this is like the best you could hope for from one of these shows. You show up, I'm wearing a mask because uh, I'm a guest in his house, right? Like, he knows all these other people. They don't know me. I don't know them. You show up to Tony's house, he takes your temperature. As though you're walking into a comedy club or a, a some sort of a, a venue during these times. Very professional. Takes your temperature. You go through like a three-question questionnaire. He writes down your name, the date. He sends you to his sink to wash your hands. There's paper towels next to the sink so that you don't have to use like a, a kitchen towel so that you're not cross-contaminating. Thank you, Tony. You go to Tony's bathroom. Very nice bathroom, by the way, Tony. Very nice house this Tony fella has. It's uh, I said it on the first show, and I'm sure it'll end up on a YouTube video at some point. But it's the kind of, uh, it's the kind of, of um, real estate you look at on Zillow when you can't achieve an erection, like water view, beautiful, nice manicured yard, great house, uh, and. So I use I use Tony's bathroom. You go into Tony's bathroom, paper towels next to the sink, so you don't have to cross-contaminate on a bathroom towel. You're the man, Tony. I uh Yeah, I had so much fun. If you want me to come to your backyard, send me a DM, please, because I love doing comedy. I have realized it's uh I think I'm going to put these episodes of Comedians in Quarantine up. I keep saying that on this feed. But uh, when I was talking to Ron on Hershberg, a buddy of mine, another New York comic, about comedy back then, he said a thing that I agree with, and it resonates with me right now, which is, I'm going to do comedy. Now, I don't know how much I'm going to get paid for it, but I'm going to keep doing comedy because I like doing comedy. How many dudes do you know that are on in dart leagues and bowling leagues and on fucking softball or kickball teams, flag football teams? Because they love doing that. I'm going to keep doing comedy. I'd like to do it in your backyard. I bet it's cheaper. It's pr- it, it's either cheaper or more expensive than you think it would be to get me to drive to your house and do comedy. I know good comedians. We can have multiple comedians on the show reasonable rates, send me a DM on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I would gladly come to your backyard and perform. I have my own PA, my own microphone. Uh, It'll be a fun time. It's such a blast. It's so fun. And so at these shows, it's always, it's just, it's like a group of people that all know each other. Uh, if we're, if we're, if the governor's listening, it's all one household. Everyone's from the same household. Let's pretend that's happening. And they all know each other. And so they're very comfortable talking, talking during the show. Because for some of them, it's their fucking house. <laughs> like, not you, Tony. 
You're great. You're the best comedy audience member somebody could ask for. Uh, but I have been to other houses where the owner of the house decides that they're part of the show and they're such good fucking sports because we're all we're all deprived. And so very funny moments uh have been caught on camera and audio and I'll be I'll be posting some stuff with those moments. So all right, um get out and vote, whatever, wear a mask. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.